And so this plant harnesses the power of the atom so that we have the energy to run everything from your favorite video game to yummy cotton candy machines. <laughs> Let's learn more about nuclear energy, shall we? Lights. The Cam's Laser. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Occam's Laser. <laughs> Thanks for the clap. Um, Sean is here. Hello everybody. And uh, I am also here. Dulta, that's me. And we are without guest. Sans guest today. Um, had a guest planned. He knows who he is. He left us in the lurch. Yeah, and he'll <laughs> never be invited back. <laughs> but thankfully we have some juicy <clears throat> topics. Juicy slash heavy, but we're going to give them a shot anyway. Um, So today we've got uh, something a bit topical. We're going to talk about uh, Europe. It's uh, uh, how it relates to the science research that we do in Europe and the EU and how that affects everything. Uh, Talk a bit about defense and then maybe talk a bit about like integration in Europe maybe. Um, But we'll get to that later on. Yes. We will start with, Sean, you had something that you wanted to... Yeah, so a few hours ago, there was this story that landed in The Guardian. Um, That was a crazy headline that said, Exploding stars lead to humans walking on two legs, radical study suggests. Okay, so exploding stars, like, so you're talking about supernova, and somehow supernova are making humans walk bipedally, as opposed to, like, yeah... Okay, so, so the reason this came uh, obviously just strikes as crazy is because being in astronomy, like your claims have to be so marginal. I mean, unless you're bulletproof about something, it's always like perhaps might lead to, mm. and then you wouldn't make any kind of reaching conclusions in a paper beyond the scope of your discipline, never mind going yeah. from uh, physics into like ge- geology and biology and Yeah, usually climate. like you might say, you know, oh, the flux could be higher than this <laughs> yeah yeah but that is pure speculation yeah, yeah. you wouldn't turn around and say and that caused the entire yeah. evolution of the tiger species yeah. you know and the reviewer would probably tell you to take out anything that was like beyond the like mm. the scope of your title like of your paper so if you set out to talk about you know like the magnetic fields of low mass stars and you had a sentence in your paper that wasn't about the magnetic fields of low mass stars they'd be like this is irrelevant yeah, yeah. so uh it's worth saying so this paper First of all, I don't. The Guardian probably shouldn't have ran with it anyway. But the basics of their argument was: seven million years ago, they um, claimed that there was a few million years of supernovae in the Milky Way, mm-hmm. and that led to more cosmic rays arriving at Earth, which makes sense. Yes. Which led to a, a surge of lightning. Uh, right. Prolonged amount of lightning. Now. That, that would be a large claim because, yes. you know, yeah. how do we know 100%. what the atmosphere is like? But that's not where it stops, right? So then the lightning um, causes wildfires through Africa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I can see that yeah. happening, yeah. Uh, so then that causes the trees to burn down and <laughs> leads to um, widespread grasslands. Yes. And 
with fewer trees around, mm-hmm. apes learn to walk upright. Okay. So, yeah, I have, like, a couple of issues. And <laughs> so, first of all, I guess the first thing to say is that the supernovae that happen are, like, quite close to Earth. And I guess some of the work behind that is fairly well-founded. Like, there might have been supernovae that happened in the vicinity of Earth, like, you know, within 15 parsecs. So not outside our galaxy, well within it. Um, and they would, or could, produce quite a an abundance of cosmic rays that would, you know, rain down on the Earth's atmosphere. That's, that's but over it. the course of millions of years. So it's not like there's lightning yeah, like, it is. every day for years like they're just talking yeah like i mean a rate of one a year would still be quite high a rate of one supernova per year in the milky way yeah in the milky way yeah that would be yeah that would be very high so obviously the you know putting that aside i'm willing to give them the fact that there was some period in the past where it was like there was quite an increase in the rate of supernova near earth yeah the next part so the the article news article says that that causes an increase in lightning. These cosmic rays. Cosmic rays are just really fast protons, essentially. Yeah. And in the paper, when I looked at the paper, the paper says uh, we essentially don't have any evidence for cosmic rays causing an increase in lightning, but we're going to assume it does for now. Because <laughs> they say it ionizes the atmosphere. and Yeah, so there's, a, yeah. there's actually people using not to use the L word, but LOFAR to uh, study, <laughs> study lightning showers. And they're like People don't, we don't really understand how lightning really yeah. works at all. Like, so little is known about it. Yeah, and it, um, does, it does give off radio lightning, though. Yeah. So, like, it is useful to observe it in, like, low radio, uh, low-frequency radio. But in the paper itself, they, they basically say, like, if it's proven that there's no link between cosmic rays and uh, lightning production, essentially, uh, then this, is, this conclusion is entirely false. And then they go on to conclude yeah. that it would make more wildfires which makes sense like one of the main drivers of wildfires apart from humans would be lightning uh but then to say that things burning down causes humans to stand up well even that trees burning down doesn't cause more tree growth but then leads to grasslands yeah yeah that because forests often burn and like wildfires are natural yeah but the other thing is which is interesting is so there there's a astronomical claim Mm-hmm. Um, but supernova then there's something about climate about the lightning and how cosmic rays work then there's something about um, I don't know like environment environmental biology yeah. stuff and then onto biology about apes walking upright yeah. and this was published in the Journal of Geology <laughs> yeah so I couldn't actually find what journal has been publishing because it hasn't been published yet it's so, in yeah. it's accepted I think so yeah it was just I left just according to the news article uh, so I didn't again yeah, the the paper it's, yeah, was the on paint, yeah it's on archive so and it it's looks open pretty source. amateurish yeah it's kind of so some of the references are quite like decent references like you know yeah. nature communication stuff like that but it just seems weird so you, the journal of geology is yeah so it's not so a, nothing uh, nothing to do with astronomy well like, I guess what biology. I'm saying is it looks, <laughs> it looks amateurish is because we're so used to just using anything in physics. You just use a LaTeX template, and it looks really nice. Oh yeah. And this, I don't think they did. It's like a Calibri kind of font. Yeah, is... that's probably because of the uh, typeset for the journal, though, right? Because it's open source, they have to. Yeah, but archive is yeah probably as well. Just, but anyway, 
uh, it's a crazy story and journalists I think shouldn't just so, write about yeah science journalism in general is victim usually to kind of making extravagant claims about research in general but this one in particular like it's such a far reaching conclusion at the end it's literally their last two paragraphs they kind of say if that was the case and if this was the case then maybe this would be the case and probably then this might happen <laughs> yeah um, and then the like the yeah. article just ran with that and yeah. just said this is probably what happened but why did they stop there so they could have said um that that allowed people like humans to spread outside africa and that <laughs> let society develop in europe and then that made people move to ireland and then europe to develop and then now we eat pizza because in your in Ireland because of the EU and therefore <laughs> cosmic like you know they're just they're just drawing and that's why Murphy is the most popular second name <laughs> in Ireland <laughs> yeah 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 the last thing I will say on it is that the uh, title of the paper is quite funny it's from cosmic explosions to terrestrial wildfires question mark which is just like such a way of not wanting to claim it but we're saying this yeah. This might have happened, uh, but it's tenuous. <laughs> so it's one of my favorite things to talk about just because I used to see it all the time when I worked for a newspaper. But uh, so Betteridge's law of headlines yeah. is if a headline ends in a question mark, it's the answer is usually no. Yeah, it's but like they, 95% of the time it's no. Yeah, because otherwise it's not an interesting story. But I really, I read it originally as like, I'm Ron Burgundy kind of way. Because like, <laughs> just say it if that's what they're claiming. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, like make it a statement. Um, But I'd love, like, I'd love to just have a Twitter bot that finds articles that are shared on Twitter that end in a question mark headline and just reply no. You know? <laughs> I, I get that. It would be a better way to do it. Why um, haven't you done that? I will do it right now. Okay. Pause uh, podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know what it depends. Like, are, do you think it, there's some, uh, the journalists are the ones that have to vet these or do you think they think, look, here's a published paper. Mm. It's fair. Like, it's no, I think, uh, yeah, I think the, the journalists are in the clear in, that like they're not the scientists yeah they, they can't vet that i mean the most they could do is ask other scientists in the field what they think right yeah especially if it's peer-reviewed already yeah i mean if it's peer-reviewed already then it's probably okay but yeah. this I, I you know papers can get by referees in peer review they and sure can still be like yeah. fairly <laughs> and have the errors and such <laughs> that they may <laughs> oh good old jokes so anyway, that was something that caught the eye and it's kind of annoying. And that was fairly recent. Like, we really were on the ball with that one. Yeah, this is all just natural. Natural <laughs> conversation. Completely natural. Okay, people. Time I think, get, yeah, get serious. that's enough bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Europe is fucked. We're all going to die. There's a war coming. Guys, if you're not involved in European things, you're going to be left behind, right, Sean? Yeah, our big uh, non-EU... Non base sean voted three times in the european elections this year yeah because he's so devoted to an integrated europe yeah so the european elections were on in ireland on friday and uk thursday and everywhere else kind of sunday mostly but uh it was two places on saturday i think but it was funny that the results couldn't be like all countries held the results didn't they for the same for sunday night uh, yeah, yeah, I think the Netherlands were like super early or something, and yeah. they might have been the news I saw might have been exit polls. So yeah, they might have yeah. held all the actual results until like Sunday, Monday. 
um, and within but it's like we're recording now we actually don't have all of the results of the Irish European elections yeah they're so slow to count and actually they're this very is slow, yeah. something that I remember when I was talking to someone from the US and like the day after the repeal the 8th referendum mm-hmm. um, like so the voting finishes at like 10pm say on Friday night yeah that they're just like so does voting like does the count start at 10 or 1 yeah. we're like no we just come back tomorrow and do it and they're like no like in the US like elections as soon as it's over you know people work through the night and she's just like it's such an Irish thing to be like ah oh, we'll just go back tomorrow and yeah what's like, a day or two <laughs> yeah that is mental though. imagine having to catch it at night I feel like that's also a very American thing to do <laughs> yeah yeah work at all costs yeah um but within um we're definitely in a good echo chamber or not a good echo chamber, but a strong echo chamber because like everyone I know would have voted similarly. Yeah. And like scientists tend to be really pro Europe. Yeah, I think definitely so. But uh, and definitely right. like pro, not even just pro Europe. So like obviously there's multiple parties that are pro Europe and then like very few probably that are anti Europe, especially in Ireland. There's none that are like blatantly anti EU. It's usually like independence. Yeah. But uh, they're also like, I find in academia are usually this even the same party along the same party lines so usually kind of like green leaning and yeah social democrat leaning kind of yeah and i suppose that's i suppose it's definitely like center left at least you know yeah um i mean i guess there's a few reasons to that one is that people don't appreciate or like if you're not in science you don't really get how integral it is to science to be able to freely travel within between countries yeah um so, if, like, if you were to get a visa every time you went to the France. UK or France or whatever, like, like scientists make these trips, like, 10 times a year, if that's yeah. where their collaborations are. Yeah, like, how many times have you been to the Netherlands in the last year or two? Yeah, probably 10 or so. And if I had to do something yeah, with that... Yeah, like, trying to organize a visa every time yeah. is a hassle. <laughs> and in fact, there's people from uh, Computer Science who started a, a petition uh, to boycott US conferences on, um, like, machine learning and stuff because they weren't getting visas because they're from Iran. And they're like, yeah. then they're just completely in the dark about stuff. And that, it's crazy. That is, yeah, that is like, what, like Skype in and then be caught by the CIA to Skype in. Yeah. So, uh, so it's just, yeah, it's so, it's so key to have this kind of large unity uh, between countries and stuff that, that it's not surprising that people, like scientists tend to be pro. Yeah. And th- yeah, this is just from a research point of view. Like, yeah, this doesn't even take in any sort of like societal, uh, economical <laughs> benefits of yeah and actually a good example is the ehd thing that was like 200 scientists and there are like there are 40 different nationalities between them although they would have been from much fewer institutions Mm -hmm. um but it's still just a huge amount of people to organize and like the amount of admin that would have been i mean that was was across continents as well yeah multiple continents north south america europe and yeah so there were plenty of visas in there but like it could just be so much more painful if everyone was yeah it would be like It'd just be a pain, pain Paris. Like. <laughs> yeah, that 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 would be a good uh, I mean, platform to run in. Yeah, I was just a run for Europe. Don't let it be a pain yeah. in the arse. Yeah. I think you win a lot of votes. Yeah, well, if you just outline to everybody how much of a pain in the arse. Imagine like all those people that go on holidays, like Spain and stuff. Imagine every time you go on holidays, you have to get a visa now. Yeah, even yeah. that alone. Yeah, I love going through the airport though, and it's like. You know, the non-EU queue at the passport control yeah. is always so much... It's shorter sometimes, but they, they get 
yeah, much longer time than talking. <laughs> Getting grilled by some lad yeah. at a desk. Yeah. And then you're coming back into Dublin and they just take your passport and they see an Irish name and they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they see my name and they're like, what is this? Yeah, is this yeah. Irish? Where are you from? Uh, yeah. yeah. You shouldn't be in the UQ. Um, but yeah, anyway. So, I, so yeah. The, the election was on recently. There was the Euros and the local stuff. We don't talk about the local stuff. And the Eurovision. Eurovision was on recently, yeah, a few weeks we ago. We can there, skip yeah. that. Okay, back to... Yeah, nobody gives a <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. I was actually in the Netherlands and they won it. Yeah. Uh, and then my... Nobody uh, cared. <laughs> my parents were like, oh, there are big celebrations going on. And I was like, why, what happened? Like, they won the Eurovision. I was like, I didn't know it was on. No one seems to watch it or be aware. Yeah. But I was with an Australian guy and he was like, oh, like the only people who really care about it he's seen is Australians and they fucking love it because they're like, <laughs> they're like only allowed in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, we're in the EU. Let's pretend. Anyway, now look, we're talking about the Eurovision. Oh, no, yeah, we're going to... You're uh, saying, we're going to skip the local elections because no one cares and they've no power really. I... <laughs> except if you no. got elected well, <laughs> yeah, done. well done and uh congratulations uh good luck in your next uh, couple of years as local council why not consider coming on the podcast get in touch yeah we'll really elevate your profile get you out there to the local population uh anyway <laughs> so yeah in the elections in europe when they like announced the exit polls there was the whole green wave um and it seems to be quite subdued now that the actual counts are being done so it yeah. does not seem to be as significant as people were saying yeah but it was quite exciting when it happened it's like oh shit there's like you know something might be happening here we're not just voting Fianna Fáil Fine Gael yeah all the time center center right and center 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 so, left actually that's interesting I was looking at uh, a European it was it was basically like a questionnaire on some policies like to try and align you with who you you know who agrees most with your opinions? Oh yeah, the which candidate dot EU or even uh, no? So there was a European one. I think it was like Politico EU had a a good uh, sort of verifier of which party you align with, but it was EU wide, so you could specify per country. So if you go into like Ireland and you answer all the same questions, or you could do it like for the entire EU, um, and it was just interesting, like, my results I was kind of surprised by. But then it, you can put them on, like, you know, the typical political spectrum of left, right, and, like... Up, down. There, I can't remember what up, down is. It's like it's a... Capitalism, socialism, is there, or...? No, I think it's, like, anarchism, something else. Anyway, like, nearly every single um, Irish party is in the top left quadrant yeah. of the plot. Uh, and it's because there's parties in other EU countries that are extreme right-wing. And like extremely yeah, concerned, like have an open policy of like we don't like like minorities. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but obviously there's a good few like very strong right wing parties, like the Marine Le Pen's party in France and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, which you, you know, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael compared to those are like they were they're all soft left parties. Yeah, but within the scope of the Irish political system, they're soft right parties. Yeah, and in America, the Democrats are also right. Of Europe. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, so it's crazy. Relativity. <laughs> Special relativity. Anyway, um, I can't remember really what my point was, but back to the <laughs> back to the green wave stuff. Uh, it was disappointing them when they actually started doing the counts. And the Greens did like way better than they usually have done in the past, like in the last 10, 15 years, or basically since like pre-financial crash time. Um, but yeah, it's um, good. 
It was good, and even if the Greens didn't, um, and we don't have political bias here at all. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have any affiliations (laughs) to any party. Even, but even if they didn't uh, take over the world, um, it still sent like a good message to the people. Like they're like, okay, we're gonna have to start doing climate changey stuff if we want this vote. Because I'd say it's very interesting. I'd say the Greens have a very strong like under 25 kind of demographic as well. Oh, I'd say it's like, versus, yeah, under, even under 30, I'd say it's like that whole under 30 yeah, is probably very strong. Voters of the future. So if nothing else, that is just going to make, because I think I was saying this to you, like, I don't know how good, like uh, the Greens necessarily would be at doing certain policies because they've never had a majority government. Actual like economical policies. Yeah. yeah. Because it's great to say, oh, we'll have all these like renewable energies. Things, but, yeah. but once you get into power, then you're like, well, shit, we need, electricity so we can't just stop <laughs> drilling like yeah for a while tomorrow because we need it tomorrow no but it is interesting like a, there's a lot of like controversial ideas as well as like how do you actually have, have the best way of doing it like i'd say you know like nuclear energy is not something we use in ireland at all and uh i wonder though you know because it, it's a i guess it's a riskier source of energy but like a way more efficient in terms of the amount of energy amount of fuel you need the amount yeah. of like waste that you ha- have compared to like you know a coal plant but it would probably be seen by a lot of Greens as being kind of risky and maybe not clean. Yeah, know? it's kind of cheeky to call their party green because then they just get all, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, their policies a, never get. But like also it's not widespread. There's a lot of like different uh, kind of nooks and crannies within like being efficient yeah. and sustainable. That It's not just as simple as saying like, well, I'm green, you know. But a lot of people in physics would see nuclear as a very... Like, viable option. Viable and safe. Like, yeah, very safe. New reactors. Sure, do fine. you know how many reactors France has? It's like 30 yeah. or something like that. In the 30s. Yeah. And they've never had a nuclear accident. I am. Like, the many people that die in coal mines, even in, like, yeah. developed countries from just getting bad health. But, because uh, there was also a nuclear reactor. Um, just getting in, crushed by coal. <laughs> yeah. In, in Fukushima. Um, but not the one that uh, went... Meltdown. Melt, meltdown. Um, because that was like from the seventies, but there was a new one that was made like in the last decade or so, and that was fine. It just it didn't like all of the safety protocol work. So from the earthquake, like it wasn't affected. That was closer to the epicenter, but they're saying yeah, like they like new like nuclear technology like is actually very safe. Yeah, I Um, saw something recently about like you don't you can actually get a significant amount of energy from not even standard like fission reactors. You can just use the waste. And use the like uh, radioactive like byproducts from the waste to actually generate compost, six, almost like yeah, nuclear, yeah. Compost. nuclear compost, and yeah, pretty much. And you're basically just generating enough energy for like a small plant, which would probably be like adequate for everyone. But that's for the only genuine downside. But even if, like people in physics who love nuclear power, you can't really answer is that there's waste, and it's like we don't really know how to do it. We're just going to put it in a big lead case and throw it in the sea. That like or or bury it really yeah, deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lots of countries are doing it though, and I guess yeah, it's that's. But isn't that better than oh, like agree, pumping yeah. CO2 into the atmosphere? And the half life is also incredibly long though. So so one of the reasons they have to do this is because to hmm. become safe is like, like billions of years or something. Oh yeah, or like a thousand years or something. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, and just if anyone is listening and wondering, the reason like people have often talked about putting in space as well. There's lots of people listening, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's anyone wondering why don't we send it to space, just fire it out in space. You want to take this one? Uh, well, first of all, you can't just throw your trash out into space. <laughs> why? Well, for, well, how far out into space are you talking about? Well, to shoot at the sun. 
Well, first of all, it's really hard to get stuff into the sun. It's not easy. You have to slow, like, you have to put something into solar orbit and then slow it down so that it deorbits into the sun. Difficult to do. Lots of energy. No, no, you just uh, go straight. You just get slingshot. As the crow flies, yeah. That doesn't work. Like gravity do its work. Just put it out there and it'll actually probably eventually. But uh, yeah, it's just strapping nuclear waste to a large rocket full of It's a bad idea. What happens if it blows up in low Earth orbit? Then you've got a load of nuclear waste spread around the entire globe. Everybody gets cancer. Yeah, and the... Only until the last couple of decades. But I mean, there's loads of nuclear, like, you know, radioactive material in the Earth's crust anyway. Yeah. We're just taking some of it out, doing, firing some stuff at it, making it better, then taking some energy from it. <laughs> making it greener. Bluer in some <laughs> yeah, cases. Yeah. <laughs> that damn green stereotype. And uh, and then putting it back in the ground. Yes. Yeah, so is it that big of an issue? I don't really... Yeah, it probably is. Probably is. That's a good point, though, that nuclear weight or, like, reactor material... Like uranium two three eight and two three five, it goes two three eight to two three five, right? Yeah, so one of them naturally occurring. Is it two three eight? But it's yeah, they're not like they don't go green like the Simpsons. They oh actually yeah, are like blue. The, the, that's the plutonium rod in the Simpsons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually blue, but it's not. It's not true. Like they won't actually glow blue it's unless they the have water. material around it. the water or material like around yeah, it that. Yeah goes blue from Cherenkov radiation isn't it? yeah but it's cool they do they are luminous they, it does. yeah no it is bright like it yeah it's a significant amount of luminosity anyway europe right so we should we got build, off track there, really. <laughs> so we should build nuclear power plants um i mean some people to be more agree like that yeah. in our echo chamber that's what people want to do it'd actually be interesting to get somebody in physics that's really like you know on the energy side of physics and yeah. see if they know anything about irish industry into yeah like one, where where Ireland is going because, but I, I don't think, actually know. But, but. Yeah, but one of the, if you're like really serious about removing all like fossil fuels in the next ten years or twenty years or fifty years, like the only way to, like we can't we, we don't have like the solar panels or the although solar panels are getting more and more efficient. Like yeah. if you have solar panels from this year as opposed to if you bought them like fifteen years ago, yeah. you're probably making like two or three times the amount of energy from them with the yeah. exact same amount of sunlight. So Yeah, but I just think I read somewhere that the quickest way is actually just build a nuclear power plant, get off like fossil fuels onto nuclear and then worry about yeah. you know going oh from it would be the best way in terms of like getting rid of carbon emissions yeah. immediately. And we might get jobs. How much do you know about nuclear? <laughs> well, I haven't <laughs> been talking about it all day. Oh, we're experts, yes. We're experts. Yeah. No, yeah. It's maybe, you know, being a yeah. nuclear engineer, that sounds like a good job. I could do that. There was often fear in Ireland, though, that. Um, Sellafield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the IRA much famed will blow it up. Sellafield, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's an IRA. Okay, obviously, that would be awful. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be good in any sense of the word. But aren't there, like, prevailing winds? southwest like wouldn't that just like fuck over the rest of the uk rather than us yeah like it wouldn't come towards ireland or the north at all it would just we just fly through it when we're going to europe oh we fly around it (laughs) yeah (laughs) just go south to spain Ryanair wouldn't if you pay extra an extra (laughs) for late to go around (laughs) for the for the extra five thousand x-rays worth of radiation (laughs) um anyway no yeah no that's it i want to know your opinion right on European integration. Yeah. So obviously there's lots of different faces to this, lots of different aspects to it. Um, so in terms of taxes and economy, do you think like 
the EU should be able to dictate to its member states what it sets its taxes at. Because this is a huge, like, obviously, yeah. there's no right answer here, really. Uh, it all is open for debate. But but from a pragmatic point of view, I think not just because it's that kind of shit that then fuels nationalist parties a lot because they're like, we need yeah. control of our tax. So even yeah. just out of, but I mean, like, I, de- I definitely think Ireland's kind of taken over the EU a little bit with its corporate tax. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody can dispute that we haven't got it <laughs> yeah. better. We yeah. definitely do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's a kind of a boring topic. But yeah, in terms of energy, do you think the EU should be able to say, obviously they've got targets for their energy production. Um, and they say like, you know, by so-and-so year, like 2030, we want this amount of carbon emissions. You need to have this much renewable energies. Do you think the EU should be able to make you do that? Because at the moment they can't. They can say like, oh, we need you to get to this place, please. By this yeah. time, please. Or else... So they have loads of those. They have loads of policy targets yeah. on every kind of thing. And some countries are just like, nah, I'll just... But do you think the EU should be have the power to be like, you know what, we're coming in here, we're taking over your energy thing. Let's... <laughs> yeah, we're going to take your energy over. Let's sort this shit out. Right? Like, you, this is a shit show in here. Like, I mean, it's not it's not crazy, I don't think, in like 50 years that if one country is just like, nah, fuck it, we're just going to keep burning carbon people will just say, well, stop, or we're going to invade you and make you stop doing it. Because I mean, invade is very, very strong. but <laughs> Well, sanction. Yeah, they could sanction the them, I guess, right? Yeah. Because at some point, it's just irresponsible. Yeah. Especially if everybody else is trying to pull their weight. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I the US did leave the Paris Agreement. Yeah. But that's the, I mean, that's holding all that back. But I mean, there's definitely a place for Europe to be a leader in climate policy and stuff because China mm. and the US, well, China is doing a bit, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah, they're not really like they have bigger problems so i mean i think yes let's do it <laughs> let's make more energy yeah yes exactly but it'd be like you know in that uh the second spider-man from years ago with uh, toby mcguire where they just like doc ock makes a son in his like, yeah. in his, like lab yeah <laughs> why don't we just do that yeah it's possible <laughs> We should just nuclear. I love the way it was like a really tiny sun, but looked exactly like the sun now. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it was only like a meter across. Yeah, they just took a, like, a picture. It and then, yeah, they uh, just filmed the sun for a bit and then just scaled yeah. it down. But uh, we should just, why not just make nuclear fusion? That'd be handy. Yeah, France are working really like diligently towards fusion, I think, but obviously it's still not really there. Yeah, uh, but it's. That it's would be interesting good. though. Because, like, the byproduct of fusion is helium. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is just going to... If you, you can let it out the window and it'll just leave the planet, like, <laughs> yeah, naturally. Thing. So it's one of the few things that wouldn't hang around. It would actually just go into space. It would just fuck just, off. Like, <laughs> it would just be like, all right, go back off. To, it'll actually go back into the sun. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and turn into... Probably undergo fusion. Lithium. Yeah. Carbon. Um, so, yeah, but they, they have a similar policy that I came across. Like, do you have a research target of what countries what fraction of their GDP every country should spend on research. Oh, really? They actually have a, like a um, recommended amount of GDP. So, and yeah, and the idea is to spend at least 3% of your GDP um, on national science, like in the next, like, well, now, but, you know, as soon as you can. What do you mean by national science? What that means? So it's just like, uh, you know, uh, the IRC and SFI and whatever Ireland would say spend on okay, yeah. research stuff. Yeah. But not through like the ERC, not a pool. Like, or so, like or private. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So it's just, but the so the recommended policy target is three percent, and like there's a couple of good countries that are there, 
Um, I'm just looking at a pot now. Oh yeah, it only have... looks like five somewhere, three percent or higher. Yeah, well, the average is two point one. It doesn't even look like that from this plot. To and be honest, Ireland. Ireland isn't listed on. Ireland is one point five. Oh, that is. We're halfway there. Yeah, and we're also behind the European average by a good bit, and that's not surprising because it feels that way sometimes. The European average is about two point one. Judging by this plot. Yep, that's it exactly. According to my notes. According to your research. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, kind of disappointing. Like in Ireland itself, I feel like we do, you know, Ireland has a very educated workforce and stuff. It, I guess it's hard to keep. We have the highest people. rate of third level education in Europe. Yeah, it's just a lot. Obviously, those people are leaving research, going into like the workforce, industrial workforce, uh, basically anything outside of academia. But I don't know, obviously, the government could incentivize you to stay in academia. Right now, it's not very yeah. incentivized. Like, why Why are we doing it? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and also, it's like, obviously, it's good to have tertiary education. I think it's like 54%, which is the highest. But it doesn't translate perfectly well either because, you know, you could you can be, be a brilliant, like, builder, carpenter, like 10,000 jobs without that. And then you could yeah. also go through college not really pay attention, get a grand degree, and then do, like, you know... Have no job. Have no job, and, like, then you're still registered as one of those people who got... Yeah. Um, no, it definitely doesn't correlate exactly, but... Um, yeah, I suppose it's not a bad measure. It is surprising that we have such a low percentage of our GDP goes into research, considering that. Yeah, that's true. Education at tertiary level. I guess it's probably a benefit of free education, or third level. Yeah, like, probably a lot of people who are paying money to put yourself through doing an undergrad or a master's or a PhD, I mean, at that point, then you're like, I have to stick, I have to kind of keep going and yeah. doing this. But yeah. that's the other thing is that to actually do research, you kind of have to get to the PhD level. You know, you can yeah. do, you can do research, you know, at a master's level, obviously. And even at an undergrad level, you can contribute somewhat. But like to contribute at a, a significant level, you have to be a postdoc pretty much. PhD student, postdoc, or uh, something higher than that. Yeah, even, yeah, like the stuff we did in our master's, even like you're even a research master's, it doesn't have to really contribute to the knowledge base as such. Like even if you just reproduce a result or you try out something, any little idea, that's enough. So I wonder, does like, is it because that we don't have that many institutions or how big are our institutions in Ireland compared to our population? You know, I feel, I feel like in other countries like Germany and France, they just have like a load of yeah. third level centers. Yeah. where you can go and do research and it's not as competitive whereas here we've got like what six or seven main yeah universities and that's not that that's not that many yeah if you think that they all only have one department in a particular area so they all only have one engineering department no i mean there's there's probably like less than 50 professors of astrophysics in ireland i'd say a couple less yeah probably yeah, probably 20 yeah yeah 20 to 30 yeah which is actually like just a small group of people for an island. If you, of 6 if you include gen generic physics, it probably goes up to like 200 or something like that. Yeah, but like physics That's, is so big. I mean, yeah, to encompass all of physics, only have 200 people yeah. that are technically experts on that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of strange. And then I guess that's one of the benefits of being in Europe. You can go to loads of other places if you want. Yeah, well, I mean, the chances are that with that few top level researchers, like professor level, in the same country as you, you're going to have to. Yeah. There's only going to be maybe, you know, up to five people who work on the exact same thing as you do Yeah, that you can collaborate with. So you're going to have to go abroad. So for anyone who's not in physics, 
the big problem in of like if you if you said oh, I want to be a professor you can do a PhD you'll probably get funding if you're decent then there'll be no postdocs but there might be one in like Switzerland for that you so like you Switzerland would, would be good money though yeah but you generally have to move around a lot if you and you yeah. have to do that for a few years your but other it, option if say if you're in Ireland is to apply directly to IRC to say oh I want to go and do a postdoc in Cork yeah. with somebody in Cork who works on something similar to what I do I'll apply for IRC funding. But then, first of all, it's competitive <laughs> because RC yeah. don't give out a load of postdoc positions to people. So like, it's very competitive environment to just say like, "Oh, I'll just do it." You like, chance are you're not going to get it. And if you do, it's like you know, well done. But yeah, chance are you're going to have to move. And but also, then your your CV doesn't look like if you just were in say you just went to Dublin three years doing postdocs, then Cork for another couple of years, yeah. and you're applying for a permanent position, you won't have a good enough CV. They'll, they'll give preference to someone who did two years in Japan, a year postdoc at Oxford in the US. A year US in Rome and then yeah, yeah. The, the Boston for two years. Or and if we're talking about this 20 professorships in Ireland in astrophysics and like both of us wanted to stay in it yeah. and you're talking about one person retiring then, so that's like every five years maybe. If, then, if even, I'd say it's every 10 to yeah. 15 years. So then there's one position coming up and there's probably... And that's like, 15 years of PhD people yeah. who've finished and, and are in postdocs. Prob- yeah, probably like... 20 a year like and that's not those. including the 15 that didn't the 14 that didn't get it the, the year the 15 years before that right yeah and none of these people are chumps either they're all like oh, they're all incredibly yeah, yeah, they're all very smart skilled. people like. so that's why it's so hard to do science it's hard to stay in science it just there's there's so little reward there you know to be constantly looking every two to three years for a contract to do research yes and some not guaranteed but, but at least it's fun but here's something for you um you know what is good science (laughs) (laughs) um well in a way science but we touched on it earlier so we were saying that article was up on uh that shit article was up on shit uh, no Uh, (laughs) that really good article about how humans walk i don't want to hit on the the authors whoever there hit on the (laughs) that's a completely different thing yeah (laughs) but um so like a lot of physics and a lot of different sciences are open science so they all have to go on archive archive or any other open source website where yeah but the eu in its next framework of funding is bringing in a, a mandate that in order to get money from the eu you'll have to put up your science will have to be open in science so like other people can yeah can read your stuff yeah, and that's good and so like if the eu if, say when the uk leaves if they didn't have to do that anymore like that does close all close off science if they said actually we're not gonna share our we're not gonna make it open access yeah yeah that would be an issue because obviously, there's like you, you mightn't collaborate with people, but like you work on the same stuff as people in multiple UK universities, and suddenly you can't see, yeah, their research, and then you have to be in a university that pays for access to that journal. Because you're not going to pay for access to every article in a journal; it costs yeah. like thirty euro. <laughs> yeah, but that's actually something that is one of the main benefits of having these large collaborations, and like it's to stop people like reinventing the wheel, and it happens a lot now. In that, like, I've written scripts and then I'll go online and I'll see, like, 10 people have done the same written thing. The same thing yeah. But it happened way more, I feel, in the past. Because if you look at any big physics, um, like, I don't know, like, formula or something, it's always called the, like, 
A B formula, like two names, a double three, bar name, three and or four or something. Yeah. yeah, and it's because they all were doing it. They all they came across at the same out. time, yeah. but they didn't have the means to communicate around the world. Yeah. So now that we do, like it's much better to just get together and yeah. Uh, imagine writing a letter to somebody that was in the US and I only got to them like four weeks, yeah. or it took like four weeks to get a round trip letter, maybe yeah. longer, probably longer. And I they're like, really oh, know. I did that last year. Here's the answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> damn it and then you're also like oh i also figured it out in the meantime <laughs> yeah yeah or if there is uh, and then you have to wait another four weeks to let them <laughs> yeah, know that yeah or if there's a discrepancy and like i have this and then they just like oh uh, it's so slow yeah and such a large um level of collaboration like the obviously we said it's really needed for taking images of black holes and stuff and that's cool yeah something as complex and but something as on the scale of climate change it really is needed for like if the EU fractured up and every country was like, no, this is like, uh, I'm just going to do my, do own, my thing. own thing. And yeah, yeah. It wouldn't work. I know. Yeah. It's an issue. Yeah. And like, it's one of the reasons why the Greens probably got so many votes. Cause like, we should yeah, I mean, across together. Europe, there was also a green wave in terms of, they got yeah. a lot more votes than they were expecting. I saw a tweet uh, by Leo there uh, after the elections. I was saying, you know, oh, this, you know, congratulations to the green party. Like what an excellent result, blah, blah, blah. Um, this will require lots of effort on an individual community and government level. Uh, it just annoyed me. Like we've really gotten past like the nineties and early nineties were the time for blaming individuals for climate change. Like we're past that. Governments need to make like systemic changes to how society works and only governments can do that. You can't do that as an individual, you know, that really pissed me off as well. And I saw a similar thing with the uh, like repack that. Yeah. Think they like they've they've an ad at the moment with like rugby players are on it or something and it's like they're recycling yeah and they're like everyone just recycle your own thing. stuff and it's like yeah you know, it, it, and it's something like the hashtag is something like I'm gonna get this wrong but I'll look up after but it's like you know one bottle at a time or something it's like yeah I saw fuck you stop <laughs> just I know yeah I heard, I heard a, a radio it might have been an ad on the radio it could have been the same people yeah. and they're like if we all just if everybody recycled one extra piece of plastic if you a week stop using straws yeah you'll have and less plastic than it takes to because obviously plastic is like a fashionable thing to be taking on now yeah but at, like the tough thing to be taking on is you know telling people you know, it's going to cost us extra, but we're going to have to switch to electric cars. It's going to cost us extra, but we're going to have to switch our energy production to something yeah, else. And eventually over time, it will, you know, return to the same price yeah. when everybody starts using it. It becomes a norm. Yeah. And it's probably like, there was a very uh, proficient speaker I heard um, who was talking about like, like we're just like capitalists, like neo or neo-capitalism. Like it's just obsessed with growth. Like yeah. your economy constantly has to be growing. Yeah. And he was just talking about we need to move to a place where we can just say, no, let's actually just shrink the economy on purpose in a controlled way. Because if we just did like say, okay, as of tomorrow, cars are illegal. Obviously that would cause a recession or something. <laughs> yeah, that would destroy like, everything. Yeah. Uh, or even in, I mean, you know, in Paris when the smog is bad, bad they only let cars with, you know, if you're, they have half in, the cars on the road. So if your car yeah. ends with a odd number, then you're not allowed on the road tomorrow or something. Yeah. Um, and then what people end up doing, like the wealthy buy two cars with opposite number plates. So yeah. they can always have one. And it <laughs> ends up hurting the poor. And in Ireland, you could definitely see if they handled. That would definitely happen. But And it would also, like if they handled the, the emissions wrong, it could end up hurting farmers who have really no money and are really stretched and work like loads of hours, which no one really wants either. So you'd have to give yeah. them subsidies back. No, yeah, for, no, because we've got like such a huge workforce of farmers. And, you know, obviously, you know, with the U.S. and they, their whole Green New Deal and in the U.S. it became a whole thing of like, oh, well, they want to 
get rid of our cows because cows produce methane and all this stuff but there's lots of other sustainable ways to like help farmers but also just make sure that they're doing it in the most sustainable way yeah you know i mean and eventually over time if you just everybody moves in that direction it becomes easier for everybody yeah but something is just paying them more for the, like i mean per cow and then just yeah. like not letting them have not too many or as many cows because you pay more per cow or more money for if you have uh, lear milk if it's a dairy thing if you have um trees like instead of grassland like something from for forestry and stuff like there's lots that can be done but you can't just like because people think like oh i work hard i'm in you know some office and i work nine to five monday to friday but like farmers like it's such Actually, a it's relentless labor yeah and it's and like, it's also you know 5 a.m you have to get up and yeah. calves and cows and or seven days a week like every day of the year yeah, like, every, yeah. yeah yeah no it is uh it's pretty shit so but, i hope like you know, if you vote in green, you know, that's great. Obviously, you're caring about the environment, but I do hope that they have proper, sustainable plans for agriculture. Yeah, well, the Irish Farm- or Farming Association are sheriff bastards, so... <laughs> well, they're definitely, like, anti-green no matter what yeah. at this point. So. Yeah. But, like, uh, you know, Ireland produces, like, something like three times the amount of uh, beef it can consume. Yeah. And mainly it's because, like, we export all of that to the UK... But now with Brexit, it's going to all be thrown up in like the shit show of yeah. what do we do now? Do we just produce less? They produce less, then all those farms are going to make less money. Suddenly, they're not making enough money. You know, but where else are you going to put that beef? Like, we can't eat all the beef. <laughs> like, yeah, just like pay farmers to produce beef that we're not giving to anybody because nobody will buy it. Yeah, it's going to be a, you know, unless there's yeah. a deal with the UK where they keep importing it. They would probably have an issue if they weren't importing it. So yeah, a lot yeah. of trade issues. There. But I mean, yeah, ultimately it's just move, trying to shift an economy into yeah. And everybody kind of needs to move together. If everybody yeah. moves together, it works. Yeah. If people don't move together, if one part of society d- d- refuses to change and the other part does, yeah. it doesn't really work as well. Yeah. Because somebody's going to end up worse. You're going to have a free rider problem where somebody is like, oh, if I just don't Not do anything share, and yeah. everyone else does it, then I get rich and everyone and the environment's good. Yeah. But also, like companies, if they have a really high carbon footprint, you can buy carbon like stamps or whatever. Like you can pay buy land in other countries and then grow forests there, and that offsets your company's total. And yeah, stuff. yeah, it's not a bad back, idea. Uh, but I agree with you in that. Uh, the hot topics definitely like but reducing straws and plastics in general is a bit of a distraction. Get your like, keep cup. <laughs> I would rather the. I'd rather it to be ten times the amount of plastic currently. If global, if the if temperature if, was going to be below one degree, yeah, if CO two like, just stopped heating yeah. up our atmosphere, like that would still be a net benefit, even though like it's really shitty for the animals and stuff. Like yeah, because people can always stop using straws. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously, it's yeah. good if we don't use as much plastic, but it's not the main issue. The main yeah. issue is the amount of. It. But making plastic is quite high, and yeah, so that is true. Oil because it's all refined. Fine. But the other thing is with recycling. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, have you recycled or whatever?" Most materials can only be recycled like two or three times before they become useless. But also, the amount of stuff that ends up in a re- in a like recycling facility, like a lot of it, they have to dump because they don't have to. It's not recyclable. To, to, but they they can't process it. They're getting more. Well, that was like uh, um, it was about a year ago when like China stopped buying our plastic to recycle. So then, and we didn't have the facilities to. Yeah. Process it, so I don't know what's happening with that now. <laughs> oh, well. Going in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tie it to uh, puffins and seagulls and let them fly away. And then they <laughs> don't come back, so, so it's probably fine. Yeah, but I mean, the. Yeah, and there was that thing where like 100% of. Uh, I remember we said this in the B episode, but like 100% of uh, 
like animals they took up from the sea uh, had plastic in their belly. Yeah, microplastics, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But then 100% of shrimp they found in the canal in London uh, had traces of cocaine in them. Yeah. What does that go to say? All of the like sewage that they tested had cocaine in it as well. Cocaine's yeah. great, is the conclusion. <laughs> yeah. We need to move away from a uh, agriculture-based society into cocaine-based society. Yes. <laughs> I'll give you two bags of cocaine for that sheep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the other thing that I looked at um, was defence spending in the EU because this is such a contentious topic, especially in Ireland, because we've historically been neutral. In quote, unquote, neutral. Neutral, yes. You don't count UN peacekeeping, which I get, you know, I would argue some people in the peacekeeping regions might include it. Well, I mean, even that we let the US just kind of like... Oh, you shall no, yeah, there's obviously lots of different like we wouldn't talking let, like, points here. We probably Russia be able to cover all of it. Yeah, but we love letting the US do it yeah. for some reason. You know, and which is ironic because Ireland's got such a pro-Palestine, like anti-Israel regime sort of sentiment going around. Yeah, that's because like, we have solidarity with them in, in ways. Yeah, but anyway, uh, the EU have recently approved uh, the first spending or significant spending spree <laughs> yeah i don't know spending Splash. budget on on yeah, splashing it on military defense research um so before this it was always like individual nations so like you know germany would spend a certain amount uk would spend a certain amount of france but now it's like a collective the eu decided to spend like four billion euro uh in military research yeah and obviously this is very very controversial because you know if you're a country who has not been neutral in the past i could see how that's it's not as big of an issue because your country's probably already doing like if you're from any of those countries i just mentioned your country's already doing military research so the biggest in the world is the us and then it's uh like the uk germany and france in europe are the, are the three big players yeah uh, and then like this is just some communally but everyone else combined is isn't even as big as the as Ten, germany yeah. which is third yeah so yeah and like you can see why why in a lot of cases because you know usually it's a small country but you know, in 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 the like, the likes of Italy, it's quite a large country. But including them with everybody else, like Italy, Spain, yeah. Ireland, Greece, yeah. Portugal, and then all of the Scandinavian countries. Yeah, and, we don't come up to the amount of spending that Germany has. Yeah, and Germany might only have only has about a third of what the UK spends on those. Terms. Yeah, and then all of so the amount of money that the EU put in, like this four billion, is something. It's still going to be like. It's um, more than the UK spends. Yeah, but it'll still be like. One seventh of what the US spends. Oh yes. So like we, the, all of this ultimately pales in comparison for a sense of scale. Well, the US have absolutely insane defense spending. Like, but they have to because they have a whole crazy. economy built around it, and they have to keep buying. Yeah, I mean, they spent the last forty years designing their whole economy around that. I actually uh, heard something recently. It was Joe Rogan actually. When uh, is that? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he had somebody on and uh, on his podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience. We're not sponsored. We'll put it, yeah. <laughs> sponsored yeah. by you. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, uh, your man, the president, Eisenhower, when he was finishing up, he warned, so it was his like, last speech as president, uh, and he warned people about the dangers of building your economy around defense and how that encourages you to go to war, which is crazy. 
Yeah. Like, he knew back then, and that was, what, like, the early 70s or something? Or, like, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, because they keep buying after buy stuff. So, actually, so that was one of the main... Uh, okay, so this thing with the, the EU uh, putting in all this money, there's, like, a whole list of academics that have signed this open letter petitioning against it. Yeah. Um, and one of the... Excuse me. <laughs> um, one of the biggest problems with it is that there's uh, that people have with it is that it's a lack of transparency with it, in that there is a bunch of military companies who are making the rules and like kind of designing the like where the money's going to go, yeah. and then there's the governments, and they're doing it behind closed doors because they kind of were going to have intellectual property concerns yeah. and stuff, um, and like they even had a meeting where they didn't release the minutes of it and they had to, like, the people who wanted the minutes, like journalists or whatever, had to get a freedom of information request off them to release them. That was the EU? That was this, yeah, yeah, like this, the setting up how the That's framework... That's That's actually... That was just shocking. the agenda of the meeting. And yeah. considering the EU is based on transparency. But one of the, like, inherent flaws in it and that you can never get around is that there's only one manufacturer of weapons, usually. Like, there's three or four companies in the world to make weapons mm -hmm. and there's only one buyer which is governments yeah. so like just because it's a one buyer one seller kind of market yeah. it's always going to be um like not transparent yeah i mean the issue as well is that you know if you're putting that much money into research you're researching companies you know they i guess they could sell that research or their product to those military companies that are producing weapons yeah. But then you get into the whole philosophical debate of like whether you should actually be doing that. Because yeah. if they come up with something significant, 100%, that company that did the research is going to make a product out of it that they can sell to a weapons manufacturer. Yeah. Because why wouldn't they? Well, so the way this is going to work is that everyone in the EU gets a, like a memo debriefing of all the results that will be found, but the companies or the, whoever the institutions or whoever will still retain the, the IP and the, then they yeah, can the sell their, their stuff. But it's mad because at the moment, like most of the money, so they've been focused on just like well-developed technology to kind of get the program up and running. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like that. So it has drone actually, company. They're really cool. Yeah, so I was, first, I was going to say just that a lot of the money hasn't actually gone to universities yet, so it hasn't really been noticed because it's gone into private companies. But that have a very late-stage product. Yeah, well, that makes sense though. In a lot of sense, like you know, oh, first agree. of all, you've got a lot of academics who are opposed to it. Yeah. And the reason they could be opposed to it in the first place is because most of the money in the end will go to companies who can produce something rather than research for the sake of research into military. Because usually it's going to be into something engineering wise that you can build a company around a product, right? Yeah. It's going to be hard to just, I guess you could have research into, you know, stuff like radio, communications, uh, robotics. But yeah. even that itself, you, you know, you can turn that into a product and then it becomes industry, not research, academia. Yeah, so, so this is supposed to match like the equivalent US thing is DARPA, yeah, um, where they just kind of are, it's technology, but it's kind of like a bit far-fetched technology. Yeah, yeah, they do crazy shit. Yeah, you hear like but stories. The, the example that we were both talking about is actually worth mentioning, the Euroswarm, it was called. Yeah, cool name. Yeah, cool name. And it was uh, the first project to demonstrate all the key building blocks of a self-organized swarm of drones. Yeah. So if you think drones aren't bombing enough people in the Middle East, yeah. 
then don't worry. We, have <laughs> we got some, Euro Swarm. Yeah, coordinated swarms, self-organizing. I mean, but this just, wasn't just like drones flying in the air, like you know, like plane drones. It was like actual the drone you think of that you buy, and also ground drones, like cars that were drones bombing and synchronous or even like they wouldn't even like say that they'd be bombing but just as yeah, like yeah um yeah like like they reacting to each other though in a controlled way automatically as yeah well. yeah in some tactical maneuvers yeah because uh, but there's nobody's saying, involved it's just like the because one of the benefits drone. is they can fully like a whole a swarm could just fully patrol an area 24 yeah. 7 with yeah. no interaction needed so it's not like you have no to have breaks or anything. soldiers and yeah. like you're constantly giving them like caffeine or trying to make them have long shifts you just send a swarm of drones and they will just do it permanently which is terrifying yeah but this is the kind of cool shit that the eu what <laughs> yeah and then now they ireland is, more is paying into that because ireland pays into the eu and paying into this fund yeah uh, so we will be paying for this research and whether you like it or not which is kind of yeah obviously you can elect people in ireland that would be opposed to that but at the end of the day we only have what five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen uh, members of the EU Parliament. Yeah. And that's only the Parliament, which they, they do have some sway, but, I mean, a lot of the decisions ultimately come up to, like, the EU Commission and things like that. So, yeah, it is kind of a sticky situation. But but we could take control of it, at least in a sense. So, 60 universities in Germany have all signed a petition saying, no, if the money comes, like, we're not going to do the research, which I guess, I suppose the Ireland universities couldn't, we don't have the resources to turn that down. Like, I'd imagine if someone said, hey, we got a 500 million quid, we want to build some drones in Cork. They're going to say, like, but this. Yes. So if an individual researcher in that institution had the say, yes. Yeah. But if the institution itself had a policy where they were like, no, we're not going, we can't, I don't care. Yeah. Now, obviously, it would, hard, it would be hard for the institution as a whole to turn down that much money because that's like an insane amount of money. Yeah. It'd be probably. Well, even a couple of million, I suppose, which is not like astronomical. Maybe, but yeah, but, but, but like, yeah, they're so. investing over 4 billion euros. So you yeah. could easily set, see how it could be, you know, yeah. 60 million, which it would probably put you as the most funded research group in the country immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And the other. Like, but, but like there are universities in like Eastern Europe that are centered around defense research as well. So it's not like it's an unusual thing to have yeah. universities that are heavily centered on, on just doing this. But yeah, I know. Like, so the issue uh, comes with the fact that we're, we, we're a neutral country in every sense. Well, also we're lofty academics who have notions about, uh, <laughs> you know, just science for the sake of it and nothing behind the border. Like everyone share everything and let's all be friends. Yeah, this doesn't work for defense. <laughs> but yeah, and, and the only people who are funding science are like, no, how do we make, will that make my bomb better? Like, yeah, <laughs> but like imagine being like, oh, well, fuck the bombs. We just made a death ray and I can kill whoever you want it to kill. Yeah. Uh, but it's open access. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in a way, it reminds me a little bit of the stuff that was like the the stuff that was going around when the the atomic bomb was being developed, and like the scientists are really conflicted because they were like, "Oh, yeah. we're getting to the key, the secrets of the atom. Like we're yeah. learning about how atoms work." And then and two of them were dropped in Japan, and yeah. suddenly those people were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, shit. yeah." And it just because the government was like. That's really interesting about the atom. Great. But how do I make a blow up? But uh, <laughs> how many Japanese people will this kill? Yeah. 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 No, but the electron is a wave. You don't understand. Great. Can you put that in Japanese terms? Like, yeah. <laughs> so like it's... Can it, you point me to where the button blows it up? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of similar in that 
Man, and that's probably why there is some reluctance among scientists to not even like dip a toe in the water. Yeah, yeah, just say no, we're not gonna. Like, no, I, to be honest, fine. like I kind of agree. You know, in, in a lot of aspects, the EU is good in terms like it, it's nearly better to have more integration in a lot of aspects. But yeah. in terms of defense, you're getting into kind of very murky waters here, where it's kind of hard. The EU nearly needs to in terms of you know you've got the likes of China, Russia, and the US who are especially the US obviously have developed like crazy you know defense spending and, and a huge military and if Russia did the same and if China did the same and suddenly Europe is this big block of very developed countries that can't defend themselves yeah you yeah. get it like obviously the ideal situation is that everybody de-escalates everybody demilitarizes their country but that's not going to happen i mean you could try yeah but one, one of the biggest uh, in the mean in uh, the meantime you kind of have to make your army bigger so that you don't get invaded right one, one of the biggest opponents of uh an eu army was the uk and now that yeah. they're like leaving yeah. it'd be hilarious to just build up this massive army around <laughs> them and just have to, just have like a load of turrets around the uh, channel there <laughs> but even if you didn't have a problem with like in a, like you know say look we need weapons it's modern worlds everyone's gonna kill each other if we don't have some kind of defense yeah uh like so the the one of the criticisms, which is pretty fair, was like the defense industry will have uh, too much control over the program. So, of the there's 16 members on a group that were established by the commission to uh, like set up the fund, and of the 16, seven of the people on it um, were representative of the arms companies that would be the oh, ones really? receiving the money. That's and it's too many. <laughs> it's just that kind of uh, there should be like one. <laughs> yeah, but it, to, to get their voice heard. But it's yeah. that kind of like lack of transparency, where it's the same people. Who are on the companies and on the board and in yeah the, that shouldn't happen and, and the, that it's just in that's basically interest. like worse than lobbying. <laughs> yeah, well, you just are you were just allowed all the way in. Yeah, instead of just paying somebody to do it lobby. for you, you're yeah. just saying, well, I'll just walk right in and tell you yeah. what I want. You and put on your you hat and you say, raise the money. They <laughs> take it off. Yeah. Put on your bomb hat. <laughs> yeah, so I can understand that, uh, like even just from like it, it, even if you didn't think it was unethical. But it's how it's structured is also an question. I mean, yeah. you could have a brilliant climate change thing that would be, if it was set up the, the same, same way, yeah. people would say that's actually not. A yeah, if you had like some sort of energy commission that yeah. was like secret. Yeah. Like, well, what are they doing in there? Yeah. Why is it secret? Damn big windmill <laughs> company. <laughs> big wind. Yeah. <laughs> big sun. Yeah. <laughs> big solar. Big nuke. <laughs> yeah, well, as well. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But that's what really grinds my gears. Yeah. I mean, in general, I like the integration of the EU, you know, in terms of common trade, common travel. It's great. Yeah. It is getting into some, like, really debatable issues here. And obviously, it's not a clean cut. You know, people, there's, like, how many hundreds of people in a parliament in the EU debating this all the time, you know. So, yeah. It's not um, an easy answer. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I think we come out in benefit for, because we have access to, like, so, like, the telescope I use is an EU project, yeah. and I get to go to their facilities, which are brilliant, and the scientists I work with there are brilliant. And, like, Ireland is so focused on intellectual property, spin-outs, making new drugs, yeah. and just not basic research. Yeah. It's great that, like, we can be part of this basic research kind of campaign. Like, like the EURC, the European Research Council, their annual grants are, like, the the. Pro the the main prize for people and like, EU country that you're yeah, if you're a scientist yeah. you could get a couple million to do your research and like and that for can like be on anything years. as well that can be on such basic stuff so like I think we're definitely a net benefiter of, of how 
research is set up integrated across the continent yeah no definitely i wonder if you know you say you go to some other country like the netherlands or, the, or germany and you find that there's like seems to be quite a lot of infrastructure and funding around just simple like just basic doing the research for research sake yeah. but it, but is that just because they do like they still have industry and it's just way bigger and way more funded outside of that so that you still it's just like a scaling thing so yeah, here we the have Netherlands the isn't that much bigger than it was like in terms of size or population or probably even economy and it's uh, really small I don't know about their economy what's their population I don't actually know off the top of my head well you looked that up uh, I just wanted to say about the so the Irish government have um Innovation 2020 was like the, the plan for science to takes up to 2020, which has now been extended to 2023. Yeah. And they lay out what they're going to fund for the next like six years. And the areas that they're funding are health and well 17 million people in 17. Yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah, that's a good bit bigger than Ireland. It's small though. Yeah, it's pretty average. A small, small geographically. <laughs> uh, anyway, what were you saying? So there's like Ireland is focused on funding. Uh, information and communication technology so like broadband fiber and engineering and stuff <laughs> let's dig into the broadband scandal <laughs> yeah but health for and another time another episode food energy climate action sustainability and manufacturing materials services and business processes so there's nothing there that's like um, blue sky research yeah like pure not even like biology biology stuff like uh getting into like let's just find out about the genome or something like it yeah it, which is kind of disappointing yeah because like you know neither of us are bi biologists but if you saw there was like you know funding now for a group to yeah yeah decode genomes for like some random species that'd be cool like, yeah. yeah and and but that even doesn't feel as blue sky uh, as like as uh, what, what we do yeah, where it's, where it's or like you say like theoretical physics yeah yeah well yeah, but it's <laughs> probably the bluest sky but even that i mean there's like so at least Cosmology. those theories will apply. Philosophy, but but I think when we, I think astrophysics is the most uh, stretch because you're saying, oh, what did you do with our like hundred thousand we put into your PhD? Well, there's a star that's uh, yeah. four light years away, and I found it is heavier uh, than I thought it would be based on its color, or something like that's like the, <laughs> that's the point, and it's not even like a, throughout the physics where you say, well, we figured out some, how this works. Some spectra. And then it was bigger than we thought it was. <laughs> yeah, but more money will be needed to prove this conclusively. <laughs> I need three times the amount of money you just gave me. Uh, we need to send up a satellite. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of tough. But I, obviously the, the biggest argument that comes out of that is that so many technologies fell out of the, you know, astronomy that nobody expected. You know, like Wi-Fi and all that. Yeah, the internet was made in CERN, and Wi-Fi was made in radio astronomy, and yeah, which is like you know, it maybe it's a coincidence, but, but what has the internet done for me? As I Google, as I upload my podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, enjoy this episode, people, that we can upload thanks to the internet. <laughs> yeah, is that an ending tone? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Unless you've got lots of points. No, to I make. don't have any points to make. I think everyone should get on with their day. Um, yeah, you've listened to us for way too long. Go and do something pro. Your yeah, go read a book. But read a book you haven't read ever. Uh, get get recommendations first, though. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, next time, I'll okay. have some next time. All right, tune in next time, everybody, for some recommendations. Recommendations. Also, Instagram and all that stuff, please. Yeah, we're on Instagram. <laughs> 
Facebook. Twitter. 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 We're not on Facebook. Yeah. I hate Facebook. Yeah. Dead with the establishment. But we love Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and WhatsApp. And WhatsApp. You can get us on WhatsApp. Sean's <laughs> number is 000. Yeah. Um, no, Instagram and Twitter, two places to get us. And then obviously listen to our episodes. Cue the music. They're good. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs>